0: Do you all enjoy the children's sermons as much as I do? I tell you, I think the children's sermons are as much for the adults as they are for, uh, for the children. Probably the adults me- remember the children's messages maybe even more than the children do. Uh, Scott talked uh, about uh, today about uh, making mistakes. Uh, we all make mistakes. I made a horrible mistake Thursday night when I sat down at a table uh, with a group of people playing a game, dominoes. And uh was just abused and uh ill treated the whole time I was there. Now I'm not going to uh, I, I wouldn't dare point out people and make uh and make uh, any accusations, but he's on the third row over here on this side and it's not Ronnie and it's not Charles. <laughs> but the children's message also talked about forgiveness. So I, I'm gonna uh, as hard as this is for me to forgive this person for for abusing me all of uh, of Thursday night, so uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. You probably realize that Reed's not here today, and the reason he's not here is because uh, uh, he had uh, he and Sarah and Liam uh, were in South Alabama uh, as, uh, at a wedding that uh, Reed was to be the best man in his best friend's wedding Saturday night, and so uh, they were there and they're planning on driving all the way back uh Today uh, back to South Carolina, back to Rock Hill. Probably it'll take him a lot longer than it normally would, because I'm sure he'll detour up into Tennessee and back down across the mountains into into South Carolina without having to go through Georgia. Since Georgia got beat by the University of South Carolina, and I, I really look forward to going to work uh, next week uh, and being a part of that little uh, a little razzing that I'm sure that he'll he'll have to take. I had to take it Wednesday Thursday night, so. I don't know why he shouldn't have to take it uh, as well. Okay, well, let's get into the uh, to the message. Uh, you know, there's some, some things that happen, some events in human history that so uh, tragically impact our lives that we can't help but remember where we were or what we were doing when those uh, events took place. For instance, who in here can remember where you were and what you were doing on November the 22nd, 1963, at around noontime, just lift your hands if you can, if you remember. Honey, where were you on uh, November 22nd, 1963? Was oh, my God. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> I didn't realize she had been sent to the principal's office. Uh, but, no, she was working in the principal's office uh, trying to, to help during her free period. Uh, I, I remember exactly where I was as well. I, I was sitting in Miss Paget's typing class working on some time writings when George MacMillan, our high school principal, uh, came over the loudspeaker and said he wanted everybody's attention. Then he turned the radio on and Walter Cronkite came on and uh, emotionally, uh, with tears in his eyes, announced that President John F. Kennedy had been assassinated in Dallas, Texas on that day. And maybe some of you remember where you were on November the 28th, 1986. If you do, uh, maybe you were like me, uh, watching in front of the television when Krista McAuliffe, who was to become the first teacher in outer space, boarded the space shuttle, and about 96 or 7 seconds into the launch, the, the, the shuttle exploded out over the Atlantic Ocean, and all, of course, on board were killed. Maybe some of you remember where you were when this event took place. Or you can cut those off now. Thank you. Those images will be forever embedded in our memories. no doubt you remember where you were. I, I, I'll never forget where I was on that particular day. About six weeks earlier, my father had been diagnosed with liver cancer. Uh, there c- was anything they could do for him except just keep him comfortable, keep him on morphine. And and he was um, on September the 9th, that's Sunday. He was very, very low, didn't expect him to live. And so after church, Ellen and I left and went to Spartanburg to my sister's house where he was uh, in a hospital bed. And uh, uh, they were taking care of him. And, and we stayed with him all day long until about 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and we felt like we had to come back home and, and get a few hours sleep so we can go to work the next morning. And we did that. Uh, and then Monday morning, uh, September the 10th, my brother-in-law called and said that uh, my dad had gone home to be with the Lord. So I immediately called Ellen, and she left work. And we uh, went home and got our things together and drove back to Spartanburg and spent the night that Monday night. And Tuesday morning, were at in my sister's kitchen table. My brothers and my sister and myself, And we were trying to make some decisions about what we were going to do regarding my my father's memorial service. When my brother-in-law, who was in the den right off the kitchen, called us all in there and said, you need to come and look at this. And so we stood there with our mouths open and saw the plane, uh, second plane, hit the South Tower. It was a horrible day. As uh, FDR, I believe it was, said, uh, when... The Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. This is the day that live in infamy. I think uh, September 11th is going to be a day that will live in infamy as well. Well, we remember those uh, those images forever. But today I want to ask a question and attempt to try to answer that question that uh, no doubt has uh, puzzled so many people, uh, even after the 9-11 attack and maybe even the, the years uh uh, following that. But let's read a verse of scripture today. Uh, Matthew 27. Uh, we'll start with verse 45 and read 45 and 46. Of course, this is the, the account when Jesus was hanging there on the cross. And uh, this is some of the words that uh, that he spoke that day. It said, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. and about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I'm sure that so many people after the attack on 9/11 thought God had forsaken us as a country. But let's uh, let's ask that question: Where was God on 9/11? And I'll try to answer that question here by uh, giving us some spiritual, uh, uh, scriptural accounts of it. Where was God on 9/11? I think God was the same place that he was when Adam rebelled there in the Garden of Eden waiting to cover his sin. See, from the very outset, the very beginning of human history, man has acted in rebellion against the God who made him, who created him, who provided for him, who gave him everything that he needed, made him in his own image placed him in a perfect environment, made him master over all of that uh, environment, provided for his every need, and even to the point of spending time with him. You remember the Scripture says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the evening. Oh, what a joy that must have been. But we know that, uh, that Adam was deceived by the evil one. But even at that, Mankind made an, a conscious decision to rebel against his creator and friend. And so we might ask, where, where was God when when man raised his ugly head of defiance and rebellion against God? Uh, didn't he know about it? Couldn't he have stopped it before it began? Well, my friends, it's not a question of whether he, or, or not that he could have stopped it. It's simply uh, a question of... Uh, his plan for humanity and His plan of redemption for all mankind. You see, God created us with the, the freedom to choose. So in His sovereign foreknowledge, He knew from before the world was ever created what, God, what man was going to do. He knew full well that man would make disastrous choices. And when Adam and Eve finally fessed up, God was right there with a covering for their shame and for their nakedness, exacting the ultimate punishment on a on an innocent animal to cover man's sin. But he was there. Where was God on 9-11? Well, he was the same place he was when Noah built the ark there in the middle of the desert, protecting him from disaster. Sadly, we see in the Bible that Man's sin and rebellion did not end with Adam and Eve. It continued on with their sons and their sons' sons for every generation followed uh, in their rebellious path until such time that the wickedness of man so filled the earth that the stench rose up to heaven as a direct affront to the holiness of God. And yet in the middle of all that ungodliness, we remember we read about in the Scripture that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a man, a good man, uh, certainly not a perfect man, and yet a man who faithfully proclaimed the righteousness of God. And, and when God, grieved by man's wicked rebellion, determined to wipe man off the face of the earth, He chose Noah and his family to protect them and from their stock to repopulate the planet Earth. So in mankind's greatest natural disaster, God was on His throne protecting His own. Where was God on 9-11? Well, He was the same place He was when Job lost everything that he had except his nagging wife, I guess. He proved Himself to be a Uh, God, despite uh, these unfortunate circumstances that that Job found himself in over in Job chapters 1 and 2. Just as Noah's generation experienced uh, earth's greatest natural disaster, I suppose that Job would certainly rank among the top in man's history as experiencing the greatest personal disaster. Again, we find in the scriptures where it talks about Job being a good man, a godly man, a man standing for what was right and hating what was wrong. But did being blameless and upright uh, make Job immune from having any difficulties or any problems or even disasters? Of course not. You see, Job lived on a planet that at times experienced natural disasters such as tornadoes or earthquakes or, or fire. And there were evil men in his days who who would murder and steal and and uh, do everything that they possibly could to get whatever it was that they wanted. And we know that Job became a special target of, of the evil one and his uh, his schemes. And as a result, the Bible tells us that Job lost everything of value. He even lost all of his precious children. So where was God in all of that? Had Had God turned his back away from Job? And then in turn, would Job then turn his back away from God and, and realize that God deserted him? No, the Bible says that Job would never curse God even though he was uh, told to do so by uh, a less than faithful wife. So where was uh, God when Job was losing everything that he had? Where was he when his children were killed or when Job's flesh was literally racked with pain? Job, we know the Bible teaches us that maintained his integrity in spite of all of this and realized that it was God's prerogative to give and to take away. And that it was Job's duty to bless the name of the Lord. Where was God on 9-11? Well, he was the same place that he was when Abraham lapsed in faith, safeguarding his fulfillment of his promise. Now it could be successfully argued i suppose that that uh the today's struggles that we have with radical islamic fundamentalism are traceable to this unfortunate incident in Abraham's life. Abraham we know is called the father of the faithful. He had picked up and left his homeland at the prompting of his god and promised by god that his would be given a land that would be passed on to his descendants and their descendants and their descendants after him. But there was a slight problem in all of this because Abraham didn't have any descendants. You see, we know the Bible says that he had a a beautiful wife, lots of servants, many possessions, but he didn't have any descendants. So how in the world would God fulfill that promise? How could he? Abraham, we know, was already an old man, and Sarah was well beyond the years of bearing children. Did God need a little bit of help? Well, along comes Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden. She was young. Her womb was fertile. and In fact, it was not uncommon in Abraham's day for for a surrogate mother to bear a child for a barren wife. Maybe God did need some help uh there there shouldn't be certainly nothing wrong with helping God out a little bit is there God does his part we have to do our part so to Abraham and and uh uh Hagar is born a son Ishmael the father of the modern arab states not the son of promise that distinction was reserved to Isaac whom God would later give to Abraham and Sarah when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. Where was God on 9-11? The same place He was when Joseph sat rotting in jail, accomplishing God's perfect will in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. If ever there was anybody in the Scriptures that was mistreated or or, uh, uh, misunderstood, it was Joseph. If ever there was anybody that we could find in the Scriptures that uh, suffered wrongly, it was Joseph. Yet with all the hardships he endured, all the the suffering wrongly, all the problems, all the abuse, Joseph was able to honestly say, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. And that certainly was true in the case of his brothers selling him into slavery into Egypt. And that was certainly true when Mrs. Potiphar falsely accused him of, of uh, attempted rape. And it was true when his butler friend had a sudden lapse of memory. Yet each step along the way, God was able to take Joseph's trying times and trying circumstances and mold him ever more closely into the man that he would one day become. You see, God was there all the time, though I'm sure that perhaps Joseph wondered at times whether God had abandoned him or not. Where was God on 9-11? Well, I suspect we could probably go on and on giving examples out of the Scripture of uh, God being with various ones in the Bible. People like Moses over in Exodus chapter 1 through 4 on the backside of the desert being prepared for greater service. Or maybe we could talk about Samson over in Judges chapter 14 through 16 groping around in darkness after having his eyes gouged out, being strengthened in his hour of weakness. Or maybe we could talk about Jonah in Jonah chapters 1 through 4 being swallowed by a fish realizing that God's way is the best way. Or maybe Daniel over in Daniel chapter 6 being thrown in a hungry lion's den and yet having a good night's sleep lying on a lion skin rug while men outside was plotting to end his life because of his faithful testimony. Or maybe we could talk about Peter and John over in Acts chapter 3 through 5 being beaten for preaching the gospel and then yet being given greater opportunities to share the good news of Christ. Or maybe we could talk about Paul over in Acts chapter 14 through 28 being stoned or being shipwrecked or or being imprisoned and yet being sure that all things work together for good to them who love God. But folks, I want to tell you this. The greatest insight into the heart of God When tragedy such as 9-11 strikes, is to respond to this question. Where was God on 9-11? The same place He was when His Son hung dying on Calvary's cross for you and for me. What a horrible, agonizing death our Lord Jesus must have endured. Oh, I'm not talking about just the, the thorns being pressed down upon His brow. I'm not talking about the, the lashes from the cat-of-nine-tails that literally tore all the flesh off of his back. I, I'm not uh, talking just about the, being, the bruises from being beaten with reeds and the fist of his captors or, or having his beard pulled out by the soldiers, being spit upon. Not just the enduring the nails uh, drove into his hands and into his feet. Not just the spear piercing his side. All of this, yes. But the greatest hardship that our Lord Jesus Christ had to endure there on the cross was all the weight of the sins of all the world pressing down on his shoulders. Where was God when his one and only son lay dying there on the cross? Didn't he know anything about it? Couldn't he have prevented it? Was he helpless? Was he not aware? Didn't he care? Of course, you know the answer to that, those questions. Of course, he cared. Of course, he wasn't helpless. Of course, he could have prevented it. Of course, he could have stopped it. Of course, he was aware, and of course, he cared. See, God knew what was happening. God knew, and he could have stopped it, but he didn't. Well, you might say, is God some kind of sadistic fiend then to allow that to happen to his only son? Well, there was a greater good to be accomplished by the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. Through the suffering of one, many would be made whole. Through the sacrifice of one, many would have their sins forgiven. And through the death of one, many would be made alive. You see, God wasn't just sitting there idle and helpless as his son suffered. He was using the the schemes of the wicked hearts of men to bring about the redemption of mankind. He reminds us over in Isaiah that my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we might ask again, where was God on 9-11? I think the bottom line to that question is uh, God was right where He is right now. He was... Not surprised surprised by 9-11, but he was saddened by it. God didn't cause 9-11, but he do, does comfort those who were affected by it. Somebody might say, where was God on 9-11? Well, I'd answer it this way. I think my God was a busy God that day. I think he was busy keeping people off those four airplanes that uh, were being hijacked. You see, if it had been sold out, there could have been over a thousand people on those four airplanes. Instead, there was 266 people on board. I think God was busy <coughs> on those planes, keeping the passengers uh, calm and reassured, even though they all knew they were going to die that day. Every person who was in contact with family members on board those planes that day to the uh, to to the Nth degree, all of them said they never heard anybody be panicked on those planes. They never heard anybody screaming or everybody, anybody crying out on those planes. In fact, I think he was certainly on flight number 93 when a man by the name of Todd Beamer, he uh, uh, decided that he needed to do something. Todd Beamer was a Sunday school teacher, a businessman, on board flight number 93. And you've heard the account about Todd Beamer and what he did. Todd Beamer's favorite expression when uh, his family was getting ready to go somewhere, and incidentally he had several children, had one on the way, or was on the phone talking to his, uh, to his wife. And his favorite expression when they were ready to go somewhere, is everybody ready? And okay, let's roll. And those were exactly the words that he said uh, that his wife heard him say to those guys on board flight number 93. Is everybody ready? Then let's roll. They were able to, to uh, disarm the, the attackers, break into the cockpit, and, and uh, they flew that plane right into the ground rather than to, to have that plane go into Washington, D.C. and fly into the Capitol building or into the White House or wherever it was going to go. They think it was the Capitol building. and perhaps saved hundreds of other lives, maybe even thousands of other lives. Where was God on 9-11? I think he was busy creating a whole bunch of obstacles, preventing people from getting into lower Manhattan that day. So if if there had been everybody at work in the Twin Towers, and incidentally, they both were 110 floors high. There would have been over 50,000 people there. Instead, that day, there was only 20,000 there. Many meetings were scheduled away from the Twin Towers that day than was normal. God was busy creating all kind of traffic jams and and uh, issues with subways and with the commuter trains. There was a commuter train at a, stopped at a signal shy of the Trade Center Towers station and was uh, able to back that train back to Jersey City where it came from, and all those people survived. And I think God was busy holding up those twin towers for a period of time to allow all those people in the floors below where those planes hit to be able to get out. And when he released them, they fell inward on themselves instead of toppling over, which probably would have caused thousands, hundreds, thousands, maybe other deaths that day. And I hope you'll never forget those first responders who came to, that, to those buildings. Those police officers. And those firemen. Even though they were told by their supervisors to vacate the Twin Towers because it wasn't safe. They wouldn't go. Because they knew that people needed help getting out. So when you pray, you need to pray every day for, for first responders, for police officers for medical people, for EMTs, for our firemen, people who put their lives on the line every day for you and for me. We're told that one CEO of uh, one company, uh, his life was saved because uh, uh, he had to take his kid to kindergarten that day, which was out of the norm. One person was Was uh, saved because uh, uh, they had to. uh, It was his turn to bring donuts for the office, so he had to stop and pick up donuts. And so, as a result, he was spared. His life was spared. One lady's alarm clock didn't go off on time. One person was late because they were stuck on the New Jersey turnpike because of an automobile accident. One more survivor missed his bus. One person's car wouldn't start. One person had to go back to answer the telephone call that was coming in that morning one person uh, uh, had a child that just dawdled around and wouldn't get ready for school as he should have uh, and and as a result made the person late to to work one person couldn't get a taxi one person we're told bought a brand new pair of shoes and wanted to wear them to work that day put those shoes on and started to work his normal way and and uh, all of a sudden realized he had a blister worn on the back of his heel so he had to stop at a drugstore to get a Band-Aid. And that Band-Aid literally saved his life. So what I would challenge you this morning is this. The next time you find yourself uh, stuck in traffic or miss an elevator that maybe you you uh, uh, wanted to get on or maybe you had to turn back to answer a, a telephone or Or all those tiny little annoying things that sometimes crop up in our lives. Maybe you need to stop and think. Is this exactly where God wants me to be today? Maybe God's watching over you. Preventing you from being involved in some kind of tragedy. So the next morning when everything seems to be going wrong. People or children are slow to get dressed. Uh, You can't find your car keys. You get stuck in traffic or you hit every red light uh, going through Cherry Road uh, on your way to the interstate. I challenge you not to get frustrated because of that. Maybe it's God at work watching over you. Maybe we ought to pray that he'll continue to put those little annoying times in our lives maybe would prevent us from uh, uh, having some sort of difficulty. May we always remember the possible purposes that God might have for putting those little annoying times in our lives. But you know, somebody asks, where was God on 9-11? I'll tell you this. He's everywhere. He's right here today. He's right with us today. Wanting to have a personal relationship with all of you. Now, there may be some of you here today who's never made a profession of faith. If there is, then I, I beg you today, uh, come to know Christ as Savior and Lord of your life today before it's eternally too late. There may be some here uh, struggling with the idea of coming to unite with the fellowship of this church. If that's you, then you need to make that decision today that you need to come on and be a part of this church family, this forever family that we have here in this place. See, I believe God wants to do something here at Northside Baptist Church. I really do. I I don't think it was an accident that Jerry felt called away to another uh, place of service. I believe God's got somebody else out there that he's going to tap on the shoulder and bring here into this building, into this church family that will lead us on out into God's future. I don't know about you. I want to be a part of that. You want to be a part of that? I want to be a part of that. So we're going to stand, and we're going to we're going to uh, have our, our uh, hymn of in- in- invitation that Will's going to be leading us in our song. It's not a traditional invitation kind of hymn, but it is a, an invitation kind of hymn too because God did save those people. Come on, stand up. Did save those people uh, in the Twin Towers, and he has the ability to save today. So you, uh, you respond as God is leading you to.